Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. Dre, how are you? I'm good. How did you enjoy New York City? Oh, New York was good. Again, good way, good city, good location to end 11 days on the road, I believe is my final count. Again, three days in Houston, three days in Philly, five days overall in New York. Got to see a show. Got to watch 10 games of baseball over the stretch. Overall, personally, I can't complain. But yeah, in terms, of the, in terms of what I saw from the team I cover, that's we can have a different story with that. I, I, I just meant the Big Apple, man, because I haven't been back since after, since the pandemic, and, I, uh, and I'm dying to go back at some point. So at some point, I'm going to make my way. It was always, always one of my favorite cities, New York. So I hope that part at least was, was good. Oh, it definitely was. Again, I got again. I was able to get back here last year, and there were still a lot of restrictions in place when I was up here last year. It's more open this time around, and unfortunately, this time for this this trip, I was staying in Queens. Just last minute booking, so prices were what they were. But luckily, when I come back in about two and a half weeks, I was able to book a hotel in the city. So when hey. I come back up here after the Fourth of July, I'll be able to do a little bit more of the exploring touristy type stuff that I normally yeah. try to do when I'm out here. I mean, the, that Corona Queens area, I've stayed there a few times. Not too bad. I mean, if it, it's always cool if they, if they're playing late in the season, if it's during like the U S open time and you're right there. Yeah. You know, I right, did get right, to right, do the right, U S right. open last year. I did get to do that last year. And oh, the funny story with that one, uh, that was when they, that tropical storm type system, it was that, weekend when everything was happening mm. and i almost got stuck at the u.s open because of how bad the weather was thank god i had it was the seven that i needed to get home and that's the one that's above ground so right. it was delayed as all heck but after mm. getting to watch three matches they ended up pushing one match that was outside inside to try to keep everybody inside luckily so i had to see three matches for the price of two but Took a little bit of winging a prayer to get back to my hotel that night, but good times. We'll talk there about that a little bit more a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, but about this team and, you know, ups and downs, but, you know, not 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 the best possible road trip they could have had. Not the one they needed. Not terrible considering who they were facing, but at the same time, no room for moral victories for this team at this point. If you want, if, if they wanted to make something out of this year at this point, you look at the standings and then you go four and six on this trip. It needed to be better than that. So, I mean, you were there, I guess, you know, tough, tough slate. They, they had the good, they had the good start. seems like every time Sandy pitches, things go right. But outside of that, not much. Yeah. And as you said, they went four and six. It was three game series, Houston at three with Houston, three with Philly, three with the Mets or four with the Mets. My apologies. Uh, again, 10 game stretch against three very, very good teams. And Going into it, if you said, yeah, they're going to go four and six, and that includes them losing one of Sandy's two starts, I would have said, okay, that sounds about right. But if you told me that they were going to take two of three against the Astros to start the series, to start the road trip, and then they only yeah. go four and six, I would have said, what the living heck happened? And what the living heck happened was they dropped two of three against Philly, both of the two losses being walk-offs, and then – they run into arguably the best team in baseball in the Mets, only are able to get one of the four there. And 
this Marlins team at this point, I mean, they are who they are. Injuries haven't helped, but I mean, everybody's hurt at this point. Everybody's dealing with stuff. The Marlins were, by the time they got to the Mets, they were without four of their main position players with Brian Anderson and Joey Wendell out before the trip even started. And then Jesus Sanchez and Jesus Aguilar getting put on the COVID IL right as the series started. It, get, it opened up the door for one of the best moments of the season with Gerard and Canarcion on, on Sunday. Makes his MLB debut, makes gets the go-ahead grand slam, has now fuel assists and a stolen base in that game. First guy in modern baseball era since 1901 to accomplish all three in his debut. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. moment there, but that was it in terms of the series in New York. They dropped the other three, two of the three losses in considerable beatdown fashion. And again, that was the first four they faced against the Mets. They have them 10 more times over the next, I think, three, four weeks. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that part of it, how they handled that part of it with, again, 15 more games to go against the Mets this year. Well, realistically, though, I mean, it's almost like they have to really go on a surge just to get into the pack because if you take a step back and look at the National League right now, it's really eight teams that are in it. So even with the extra wild card spot, there's a big gap forming between that has formed already between eight and nine, and the Marlins are on that 10-11 side more or less. Seven and a half back, even from the third wild card spot at this point. And so, again, it it's a team that you have some pieces to contend, but not enough. And that, and at this point, I can't see them going suddenly, even with the with the quote unquote weaker competition. You know, in that next stretch before the All Star break, for the most part, yeah, I just don't see them going. 20 and 10 over a 30 game stretch or something. I mean, that's the kind of thing that would be needed to kind of get back into the dogfight there. But I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem that way, especially considering guys that are still hurt, still trying to come back, still have to get built up to get back to the point where they were. Yeah. I mean, the, the highlights obviously are watching this special run that Sandy Alcantara is on because, you know, I mean, this is Cy Young caliber stuff no doubt about it we're not i mean we 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 went from talking about all-star a few weeks ago now we're talking cy young and seriously talking cy young and that would be another notch for the franchise you know with you know to, to have one and then and, and for him what a what a remarkable jump too because i mean here's a kid that we were we were contemplating the true meaning of calling him an ace not that long ago and now look what he's doing so, I mean, that, that's something to look forward to. I mean, we'll also see if maybe Pablo is in that all-star mix potentially as well. I mean, he's having another great year as well right behind him. So, again, little moments like Gerard, that was nice to see. I remember Gerard talked a lot fondly about his brother back when I was covering for The Athletic. And, and uh, you know, that that I like I like that moment that was captured. Him with, uh, you know, like hugging hugging with family and everything yeah, after coming, the yeah. game where he got kind of teared up and all that. that was cool to see. So again, you see, you see some of the younger pieces get their chance and start to kind of fit into that mix. We've seen it with Edward Cabrera a little bit, you know, obviously after that first great start, then, you know, struggled a bit, but it, it just looks like, again, like it's one of those little bit on the frustrating side for them to not really be able to take that next step. I mean, there's, there's still time left, but again, it would take something, I think, like that, they'd have to go on a like a major playing six hundred ball and above to to get themselves back truly back into 
truly into the fight to begin with to, to have a shot at it. Yeah, no, and as you said, there's time really is running out. The trade deadline's August 2nd. That's obviously yeah. like the final day you have to start thinking about where you can where things are gonna have to be decided one way or the other. Right. Miami is 38 games between then and now. Um, of those games, 10 of the 38 are against the New York Mets. Three right. of them are against the St. Louis Cardinals, who are tied for, as of the time of this recording, tied for the top of the NL Central. Three, Another three are against the Philadelphia Phillies. The rest are against teams that are under 500. That's 22 of the 38 are against sub-500 teams. Right. The Marlins, as, again, again, at this point, they're seven under 500. It's not ideal, but as you said, they would need to basically dominate against that tw- in that 22 game site run that 22 game set of teams below 500 to have a shot to think by the time the trade deadline comes in August of we might be able to pull this off if they falter in any sense over this small sample they have left we're going to be talking up to the point of okay time to start thinking about 2023 and we're all, yeah. all going to be at that point again and they're going to start being it's going to start being how much of how much more regular playing time are we going to see from Encarnacion? How much more regular right. playing time are we going to see from the Lewin Diaz's? Are they finally going to start calling up the J.J. Bladez or the Peyton Burke just to say, hey, we're going to give them their sample size. We're going to get see what they can do. It's going to get to that point unless they pull some rabbit out of their hat and go in that 38-game stretch, go, well, they probably have to go 25-13 probably in that, that run. And that's they have to- then that's going to be – that they're going to have conservative at that yeah. point. They're going to have to do something along the lines of what the Phillies did recently, what the Braves did recently, and and think about how tough that is. I mean, what the Yankees have done a few times already this year. Yeah, I mean, even against weaker teams, it's baseball. I mean, on, on given days, guys have bad starts, or something happens, or so, or the other team has a guy has a great start, whatever you know, ch- random chance things, you know, and. It's just that to win every day consistently like that for such a long stretch. And then you're talking about doing that just to get in it. Yeah. And then what happens? It's like then then you have to sustain because say you do that over the next 30 some games, at that point, then you have to can you, you know, can you see this team having enough in the tank to to sustain it over the final 65, 70 from that point? So realistically, it looks like it is time to start looking at, at 23. And and start developing all those guys you just mentioned and others that are that are knocking on the door, and that's going to be the interesting part. Is like when you look at the trade deadline, what moves are the smartest to make at this point for a franchise that you know you're looking at the future, but I don't. It it, it doesn't feel quite like it did, you know, two three years ago. You feel like you have some already in place, and you're seeing some of these guys already in in place, but where's that little bit of a balance of what you need to do to kind of take that next step to really take that next step. And it doesn't look like it's happening this year, not the significant one that they were hoping for. You know, I mean, it could, it could be a case where in terms of, you know, people that like looking at the win loss record, is it going to be better, you know, noticeably better than 67 and 95 or whatever, maybe, but it's still not a playoff team. At that point, you know what I mean? It could still, it could be hovering near the 500 mark. 
do you take some solace in that or do you, or do you feel like it's not a failure it, it is a failure the fact that they couldn't make that jump especially with 12 teams making it now because you're looking at it you could have a 500-ish team probably will that's going to make the playoffs as that sixth spot yeah, no, it definitely is. And when you look at it, and again, some of those moves that presumably that they could be making by the time early August comes around, some of them may be able to make them to the better regardless. I mean, if you look at, let's just say first base for the example, which is the one we go to every time, they're going to have to do something. Leywin Diaz is your first baseman of the future. You're going to need to do something with one of Jesus Aguilar or Garrett Cooper. You're going to have to do something with one of them. You're going to have to make that decision sooner than later unless or figure out what you're doing with Leighton because at this point you're getting to the point of you're giving the taste he's up here now obviously because Aguilar's on the COVID IL but you're also at the point where you can see just from the few games that he played up here in New York his defense alone is justifying him being up here he made a handful of plays where just watching him it's like yeah I don't think either of the other two guys are making the plays that he's making just and a lot of the plays that look like they're tougher plays. He makes it look routine. And if you add that on top of his bat, which again, is still coming along, that's the main thing of do you of find try and figure out what you're going to do with him up here. You're not going to know unless you get the sustained sample size. And if he's going to be your first baseman, let's just say next year, he needs, you need to at least get a sample size of what he's going to do. And this is probably going to be the best time, giving him that two-month stretch to show what he can do versus throwing him into the fire next year and then not knowing if it's going to pan out. You need They need to have some sort of an idea of what they're getting with him. And, and the thing, too, and I'm going to take it back to before the season, that, that uh, the story that you and I both did about looking at not just which year the teams made a jump after rebuilds, but how they did it. And a part of how they did it, a part of how a lot of teams took that extra big leap was, yes, you developed some of your own homegrown pieces, but then you went out and got somebody significant. They all kind of did that. They all had they all had a big splash signing. This offseason, the big name was Castellanos, and it didn't happen. You got other guys who some have this, some have underwhelmed, you know, but is this franchise going to ever be at a point where they can sign that home run guy and i'm not saying that one guy would solve everything but they're getting are they going to get to a point once all these younger guys are in place or where you want them the lay wins you know jazz is obviously there already you know some of the pitchers that they're expecting to get there you know etc cetera, etc cetera. are they going to be able to ever get that catalyst that one guy that's just going to like help to like have them take off. You know what I mean? I, that's what I wonder. I, mean, I wonder if they're financially in, in shape to do that, even going into next season. Because say this team does do fairly well down the stretch and they finish with 75, 80 wins, let's say, but they come up short of the postseason. They're going to feel like they weren't that far off and they're going to say, oh, if, 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 if X hadn't gotten hurt and Y and Z hadn't gotten hurt, blah, blah, blah. And they might have a little bit of, a, of an argument if that did happen. But that's where you wonder that it's like, okay, are we that one more guy away from that thing kind of like taking off there and getting becoming a, a playoff team? You know, but can they do that? That's what I want. I know this is like an argument beyond the field right now. It's more about 
you know, as a franchise money, but like that, that's the part that I really wonder is can, are they in that kind of shape to do that? Or will they be able to pull off something? Like that? Cause at some point they're going to have to, I think. No. And then you also look at again, what they have committed going in with Solaire, assuming again, Solaire with just going off his contract, the way the options work with it, he has the option for next year is 15 million. I doubt he's going to say no to that. No, regardless of what his season's looking at again with his numbers, he's not going to say no to a 15 million. You have, they have Avisel Garcia, who they're going to try to get him off the books. They're going to have to probably find a trade, and they're going to have to throw somebody from their future, probably have to throw a, pro, a, top, a prospect with it for somebody to take his contract, especially right. when you see the way he's performing. You've got Sandy, whose money starts ticking up with his contract extension that he had. And then you look at all of their main pieces are arbitration guys at this point, more or less. Mm-hmm. Trevor, I think, is one of the few exceptions to – a group that isn't going to just be making league minimum jazz as well. Jazz is only in year two. So jazz and right. outside of jazz and Trevor, everybody else is basically either arbitration or post-arb. And for yeah. a franchise like the Marlins, whose payroll has consistently been what it is having all of that on the books is yeah. going to make it very interesting to see if they're able, as you said, if they're able to do anything else, unless it's finding ways to ship off salaries that they already have. And with doing that, what else are they going to have to give up to free up that money to be able to then try to yeah. fix whatever they attempted to do this last offseason that didn't work out? Right. An interesting. And they could. They, they could dump a couple. They, they, they could definitely dump a couple that haven't, you know, two or three that that would be better off, you know. But even with that. To me, it's like when you know all that talk all all that time about the TV contract and 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 the and the stadium sponsorship. Obviously, the pandemic hit them hard, you know. But that's why I wonder where are they at going in the next year, you know, and 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 because at some point I think you need that. You you need another you need another catalyst in there, in addition to Jazz for this thing to really ever if they ever really wanted to kind of take off and have, and, and even have a shot at it. Yeah, and even with that, Jazz still needs to. And Jazz still, is still young. Jazz is still young. Yeah. Said, he still needs to come into his own. And right. again, he's been, this road trip, again, let me pull up the exact numbers. I had that in here just a second ago. He only hit about 175 over this road trip. And again, it wasn't just him. There were a lot of guys. Jazz on this road trip, he went 176, six for 34 yeah. with 15 strikeouts. Avisel Garcia, one of the big signings, 208, 5 for 24 with eight strikeouts in the eight games he played. Jorge Soler, 171 with 15 strikeouts. And when you have those guys scuffling while your other big guys aren't in the lineup with, again, no Brian Anderson, no no Joey Wendell, no no Jesus Sanchez, no Jesus Aguilar, if those three aren't able to pick up the slack, it's not going to – it's not going to come easy for them with the offense. I will say John Birdie, I'll, I have to give John Birdie some love here. He's been, since Anderson and Wendell have been down, he's not only held down third base, but stolen 14 bases this month. He's tied for the MLB league with 18 stolen bases in playing about 37, 38 games. And he's hitting 300 since having to take over the everyday third base spot. He's been yeah. one of the few guys who has risen up to the situation during the stretch, but as much as I'm giving the kudos to John Birdie, if you're looking at John Birdie to be your guy, especially with everything that you did with the signings and the guys you have here, that's a problem. 
John Birdie is the next man up, pick you up guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. And he's doing a phenomenal job of it. But you have to have the option there if, ahead of him. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you have to, that's your guy when someone goes down to do this, but not the principal one that you're counting on. And then the other ones you just mentioned, that's the thing. Those were the, those were the free, those were the pickups instead of a Castellanos or someone like him. You know, and that's still a glaring. That's still the, the me like that. The outfield is still the glaring spot where that that you know that that catalyst player could fit in down the road still perfectly. I think. I mean, if if that's what you're looking for, because the infield looks like it's taking more of a shape in terms of in terms of your future. You know, at, at several spots, but again, that's it's still that's that's still the big question mark if this franchise is ever going to really you know take the next step. I'm not even saying championship and anything like that. Let's just start with even like making the playoffs in a real 162 game season. Well, this one, let's hope Gerard Garcia is at least able to prove that he's potentially part of that, which seen two games, but from what we saw from that and what we've seen in the past, this gives us at least a chance to see what he has to offer. And going back to, again, First time coming up with a big moment to be able to do that, which again, we saw, we've seen that before the first game, yeah. the first game excitement. But now let's see from there, let's right. see if he can sustain that. And again, yeah. it's and more that, than just, yeah. and it's with him, he's has the all around game. We see right. the powers what we're talking about, but he had two, diff- two different throws from right field in that first game. The first one was on a just a fly out that had runners on first and second, threw in 95 miles an hour to get it to third base to stop the runner from advancing. And then right. he had the outfield assist in the third innings on Tomas Nito, clocked in at 92 miles an hour. The he's, power arm has always been there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he's quick on the base paths too. He had the stolen base in the ninth inning in that in the game on Sunday, and all of his out he was all of his uh, runs to first base on Monday were close to elite level. He has that. Again, for his size, it's incredible to see the the tools that he does have. It's just a matter yeah. of seeing if it translates as he gets more of a sample size. With with him, it's the consistency of his uh, at the plate because I think you know, the power has always been there. We've seen him hit the homers, you know, over the over the you know way out in Jupiter, over the roof, over there, all of that. Now he's shown it at the now he show, showed it a, a glimpse of that at the big league level. But it's every day. It's as he turn, you don't want him to be another hole in your lineup down the road and turn into that, you know, hitting 208 type, you know, despite hitting 15, 20 homers. You know, they don't, you don't need that. You need a more consistent hitter than that with a heavy strikeout total and that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, and it, and this is early on. You, you're not, you're not going to totally fault the guy if he hits a little bad stretch. Now this is his first action in the major leagues. He's got to go through that process. So he'll be a storyline to follow. For the for the rest of, I mean, assuming he stays up for how long he stays up, you know, for that stretch of this season or beyond, it'll be definitely be something to look at because again, he could be one of those pieces that could fit in your outfield for a while if he pans out. So, but again, yeah, we're talking here. We go again talking about future players and you know where they're going to fit in. So again, that's again we're looking long term again. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and while we've been talking about the lineup, you have to address the rotation. I mean, yes, we talked about Sandy, the workhorse that he's been, the ace he's become, the Cy Young contender, the, I mean, you can even justify, I know it almost certainly won't happen, you can justify low-end MVP votes for him just because of what he does for the Marlins themselves. Uh, Leads MLB with 99 in the third innings, 1.72 ERA second in baseball to Joe Musgrove and... Sandy's throwing, I believe it's close to 20 innings more than him It with one or two more starts. But even then, that's average of 10 innings more over those two that Musgrove would need. But the rest of the group, we talked about Trevor Rogers, 13 starts. He's only completed six innings once. He looked better on Monday, even though the stat line was four runs, three earned runs. It was the first inning, got himself into trouble again, loaded the bases, but Loaded the base with no outs, only gave up one run there. And then it was a sack fly here, a sack fly there, and a wild pitch, a small ball execution that the Mets were able to do, which, again, is signs of a good team being able to do the nitpicking, the small play here, small play there that brings a run in. But Trevor Rogers, 5-8-3 RA over 13 starts. Again, complete six innings just once so far, and that was way back in April. Uh, they need him to figure things out. And Pablo Lopez, as great as he's been, he's sort of fallen back into earth as well. He's at his ERA is up to 285. It's his last four or five starts, which granted the last two were in Houston, gets knocked out in the fifth inning after getting hit by a comebacker and then got roughed up and got roughed up his first out against the Mets. But those two and then the last two or three before, his ERA is hovering around four and a half there. So his yeah. ERA's jumped up. To, his ERA jumped up to almost three. So between him, yeah. they need Lopez to return to form. They need Trevor to figure things out, and then they still are trying to figure out the bottom half of their rotation. Braxton Gary and Dan Casale are their two guys right now because everyone else is hurt. So right. that starting pitching depth, which to go back to our favorite French phrase, you can never have enough starting pitching. They're starting to Not realize really. that because again, their options are very non-existent outside the group that they have right now. Edward Cabrera is on the IL. Max Meyer just started a rehab assignment. Jesus Lazaro just began his throwing progression, so we're not seeing him. As we said, we're not seeing him before the All-Star break. I'll be surprised we see him before August. Cody Poteet just started his throwing progression, so it's about the same for him. Saying all that, do you think that do you think this is a, a squad that can go 22 and 8? No, I or the next thirty, and that's the thing. I don't. That's that's why. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's. I mean, yeah. again, so we talk about the offense, which again has its glaring holes. But if your only person in your rotation, which is supposed to be your bread and butter, your staple, your strength, if you're only able to trust your ace who's on the mound every fifth day, every fifth yeah, game, so it's not setting you up for the success because and we don't know if there'll be some regression with him the same yeah. way it's happening with Pablo right now. I mean, he's yeah. on another planet right now, but yeah. how long is that going to really and, last? 
And also, again, as much as we know Sandy's able to throw all the innings and he's hit 197 in 2019 at 200 last year, yep. he's up to 125 or so by the All-Star break. What are we going to be seeing from him as August and September roll around when right. he's in that new territory, when he's in that realm that he hasn't been to before? How is he right. going to adjust to that? I know his routine is immaculate to the point that gets him there. I did that did a big feature on him over the weekend that – with him talking about his process to get him ready for that. But until you hit that territory, until you break past that wall that you mm-hmm. and get into the area you've never been before, you don't really know how it's going to play out. And again, if he's the only guy who's really going to be, who's really doing stuff at this point, it brings yet another question into what could happen, what might happen as this continues. And then when you're talking burnout factor, if you're going into September and you're and you're still in this same spot where you're eight games back or whatever, is there a need to push him that far? I mean, at that point, you know what I mean. I know he probably if he's if he's still this effective, he's going to be in the battle of contention for the Cy Young and all of that. But there has to be a little bit of smarts with the long term too. At that point, you know, if you're not right. if you're a non-contending, non-playoff team. Yeah, you know, I don't I'd hate to see him get pulled in late August or anything like that, but maybe by mid-September, late September, I don't know. Yeah, it's... I mean, it just depends. It just depends how much because, I mean, he is going eight every game, like pretty much right now on average. He's going pretty much like eight every game. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot right now these days. I mean, not in the old days when pitchers <laughs> throw complete games left and right, but... But in this modern era of baseball where no one hardly ever goes past six, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, he's it's he's the first person in Marlins history ever to have eight consecutive starts of at least seven innings with giving up fewer than two earned runs in all of the outings. He's the first to do it since I believe, if I remember correctly, it was 2014, I think was the stat I saw. And Mm -hmm. and again, it's. A 172 ERA, and this was after struggling before this run. His ERA was well above, I think it was his ERA was close to like three and a half before this run started. Right. He's got we were even th- talking about it. Yeah. Pablo was the one tearing it up. Yeah. So, and now it's, it's also a matter of, I'm interested to see when this run ends, when he has that one clunker outing, how does he respond from it? Will it snowball right. from there? Will he be able to quickly get it around. And again, that's something we haven't had to worry about that basically since mid-May, but one's inevitably going to happen. One always happens. They're not going to be perfect like this forever. So I'm curious to see what happens once he has to respond to a bad outing. I'll say this, though. Yeah, I mean, I know know we we talk a lot of gloom and doom and they're done and all that, but it would be cool to see him sustain it throughout the season and go on a Cy Young caliber run. I mean, considering the franchise, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm not going crazy. They have not had one. They have not. So, no, Jose, I think, no. was close. He got votes. Right. He got votes, but he never – yeah. To, I mean, when you look at it right now, all these, like, mock votes so far and, you know, charts popping up on Instagram, he's the, he's the front runner right now. So it would be pretty darn cool to see something like that at least. It's kind of – it's kind of like in 17 when you had the Stanton chasing 60 and, mm-hmm. you know, even though they were out of it, it was still pretty cool to see something like that, see something special. And then yeah. he gets the MVP, you know, just before yeah. on the way out. 
but um but in this case that'd be another cool thing for the franchise to have at the very least if, yeah. you know if sandy can yeah at the very least it gives you something to be looking forward to regardless of what happens yeah. season. it gives you something to be paying attention <laughs> to with this team I mean, cynically, you look at it, you're like thinking yeah. to yourself, okay, now Sandy has the even bigger name. So it becomes a challenge down the road to, I mean, it's a good thing that he had the the, the extension that he signed yes. not that long ago. At that yeah. point, they're they're counting their stars on that one because if oh, not, yeah. you know, you'd be going in looking at a pretty pricey potential guy, you know, and he still, and he still would be eventually, but at least for now you have a little bit He's a little bit for under contract for a while, but yeah, no, they've gotten for yeah. at least four more years after this with right. an option for that for the year after that. But no, yeah. they this is go this contract start by start is looking like arguably the best bargain in baseball at this point. It's yeah, if there's one move you can't, I mean, that they on their end on the team, yes, end, that that was a steal for them to have that at this point. It's looking that way. Yep. And on that note, I think that's going to wrap us up here. Uh, 10 game road trip over, six game homestand on Aren't the Aren't you horizon. glad to be home, my friend? Or about to be, or, or wait, by the time people listen to this, you should be getting getting to Miami already. So. Yeah. This should be going up right as my, I'm, I'm boarding my flight from LaGuardia. I'll be home for a week and then back on the road for another two or so with, again, the Marlins are home against the Rockies and the Mets for the next through Sunday. Then they go on the road to St. Louis and D.C., and then they're yeah. home for just two days against the Angels, and then they're back on the road against the Mets. At this point, as the for the scheduling update, for those of you who are paying attention to where, my whereabouts, uh, I'm most likely not going to be coming back to Miami for the Angels series. I'm just going to stay up in the D.C., New York area instead of flying home for 36 hours just to fly back up. So expect Mr. David Wilson to be at those two games and also at the first two games of this homestand. And then I will be doing the bulk of it the rest of the way through the all-star break. And then I'll have a lot of other stuff to talk about. So with, so with that, that's going to wrap us up this week. The Uh, the 4th of July in in Washington should be fun though for you. That should be, it definitely should be fun. Yes. And I am planning to be there. David will be covering, but I am planning to go see Shohei Otani and, and, and Trout. And and everybody with the Angels. So yeah, I will say I'm, I am glad with me not being at those two games. I was glad I was on that first road trip, so I was able to see them. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. did not get to see Otani pitch. I don't know if he's going to pitch in either of the two games when they're in Miami. But if, if he does, yeah, savor it, everyone. If, if they don't, it. if they don't skip a start, I think it would be painfully close, but not quite. I think he's he'd be line up to pitch. I think the third, which is which would be the game right before. They go to Miami, but if something changes, you never know. If there's a rain out, maybe a start gets pushed back, and and it's Japanese Heritage Night that night on the fifth, yeah. so it would be perfect. It would be, it, what what could be better? You have that, and then have him pitch that night. It would just be perfect planning. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he started the game after the two games that the Marlins had against them out in Anaheim. So it's just yep, so close yet so far away. <laughs> we'll uh, see. All right. With that, yeah. With that, that's going to wrap us up for this week. We'll be back again next week. Thanks so much, everyone. Mm-hmm.